Guatney Unplugged is brought to you by the good folks at Guatney Chevrolet and Guatney Buick GMC and hosted by the mayor of Rose City, Scott Romine. Hey, Scott Romine here. Hope your Saturday is going fantastic. So excited to talk to our guest today on the show. He's very famous, Arkansan. Roger Bumpins is an American actor and comedian from Jonesboro, Arkansas. He's appeared in a long list of films and television shows. He's probably best known for his long-running role as Squidward, SpongeBob's boss on the animated show SpongeBob SquarePants. You can meet him in Hot Springs at SpaCon, September 22nd through 21st. Right here in Arkansas. How are you, Roger? I am just fine. I am also very familiar with Guatney Chevrolet and Rose City. So it, it's just <laughs> I'm I'm hearing from my my origins, my home. <laughs> I grew up in Rose City and you you never take the Rose City out of the boy, you know? Absolutely. What was it like growing up in Jonesboro for you? Well, I am I a small point of clarification. I was born and raised in Little Rock. Uh, what I did was go to Arkansas State University in Jonesboro, and I worked up there for some time. So I, I'm I'm a resident of both those places, but uh, Little Rock was uh, was my was my uh, stomping grounds, and I love to get back there. And now Hot Springs has become my favorite place because um, it's just a wonderful place. I'm learning so much more about it. We used to go over there all the time for summer vacations, and and now I actually have my little plaque on the walk of fame so i I'm, I'm even more connected with my with my roots in arkansas now that's so awesome you went to central high school right i certainly did and, and i guess have you been back by the school on a, on a trip here recently yes we had a we uh, our high school does have uh, reunions although we just celebrated our 50th a couple of years ago so i don't know whether we're going to have any more it's uh, you know we're kind of losing people of course but uh yeah, we had a we had it at central and we they get the principal gave us a nice tour and i got back up on the stage where my whole story started at central and so it was very nostalgic and just a wonderful wonderful trip to the past that's kind of a surreal thing. I just went to my 30th at Old Main, and uh, I was uh -huh. the guy that had hair. So <laughs> it was good. <laughs> hey, hey, you. That's, you know him. He's got hair. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you You were a big part of KAIT, that TV station up in Jonesboro. Craig, you kind of get a start around there? Yeah. Well, I went to uh, Arkansas State to major in radio and television after in high school I uh, won an announcing contest at a journalism uh, of the convention they had at ASU. And, and ASU had the, the, the best, almost the best uh, radio and TV department in the country. So I said, well, I'll just, I'll just do that. And I went up there and while I was there, um, KAIT uh, needed a, a new booth announcer and I was referred by my instructor over there. And I went there and I got to do, cause it was a non-union place. I got to do all these other different jobs, uh, except for being an engineer. I got to do everything, film processing back then, announcing, uh, cameraman, all kind of stuff so i got a wonderful experience at uh, jonesboro in uh, keit and then the boss there saw that i was prone to joke around and try to be funny and stuff <laughs> and so he he gave me a late night comedy slot on saturday nights which i named mid-century nonsense festival featuring kumquat theater and we did that for a a year or so and there are people in jonesboro i still get little emails occasionally that that reference that they were there when i was doing that show so that was my humble and very 
emphasizing humble uh, beginnings uh, in uh, broadcast comedy. <laughs> it, it wasn't it wasn't very funny, I don't think. So now you live in Los Angeles. You must miss the catfish restaurants and the barbecue places. You cannot get Southern catfish out here. You, it's it's all Pacific catfish, and they don't do it the same way. They don't bread it, and they don't fry it. And it's it's very disappointing here. So whenever I go back, when take my wife uh, back there because she's from there also. We uh, we were high school classmates also, and uh, we always we always hit the catfish places right away. Ah, uh, yeah. So that, that, that gives us our fill quite nicely. I wish we could just bring it back. <laughs> just just not kinda, happening out there. I, I was in Los like, Angeles. Like gasoline. Yeah, some guy, like gasoline. Yeah, it's the same thing. I want to. I want to just get a whole bunch of gasoline and truck it back here because the prices are very different. <laughs> yes, yes, they are. So, growing up, what was your favorite cartoons to watch? <clears throat> I just choked on myself. Um, it has to, of course, be the Looney Tunes because. I always make this analogy that uh, our SpongeBob show is is very similar to the old Looney Tunes cartoons in that it's all shorts, 11 minute shorts as opposed to half an hour cartoons. And we we utilize the techniques that are specific to cartoons like uh, SpongeBob goes on a crying jag. He turns into a lawn sprinkler. You know, it's, it's like the old uh, uh, adage about. Um, if you get hit in the face with a frying pan, your face takes on the shape of the frying pan for a while. Those are things that are indicative of old style cartoon animation. And we do that more than other people do that. And I think that's that's kind of a parallel with us and uh, and Looney Tunes. Plus, there's what I call the parable syndrome, where a little kid will watch us and, and Looney Tunes because it's fun, it's colorful, and it's a cartoon. And then a little older people will get different jokes they didn't get when they were six. And the same thing goes on uh, uh, all the way into adulthood. You get stuff by watching things now that you didn't get when you were 12. And so it, it's it's a parallel between those two uh, cartoon uh, formats. And and I'm very honored to be a, a part of that, uh, that, that family and to be some uh, part of something so iconic as it's been for the past 20 four years mm. it's kind of like the old adam west batman show where the kid is looking at it totally different as the adult but they both love it and there is a parallel there also uh the the the, uh, the adam west uh, uh, batman thing was very hip back in the 60s oh yeah and uh celebrities would actually request to do cameos on the show and we have gotten to the point where where people request to, to do cameos on our show too. So there there's another similarity there. What's some famous people we would probably be shocked to know have done a line or so on SpongeBob? Oh, David Bowie, Johnny Depp. Um, we wanted to get Jerry Lewis. I I would have been just oh, in heaven yeah. there if I could have could have met him. Um, but but it, the list goes on and on. We've got a big poster that I have in my house here that has every single character ever ever done on on our show, and it's a you know big jammed poster of all these different characters. And you can just go through it and pick out the celebrities because they're they're just there's just scores and scores of people that that want to do the show. How awesome that you gather autographs on a poster like that and your fans get to meet you and get your autograph. I mean, they're going to get the chance in Hot Springs, September 22nd to 24th at SpaCon. What's it like for you meeting your fans? I mean, it, it, that must be just an unreal experience. Oh, man, that's the icing on the cake. That's the thing. Uh, see, in our work, our particular niche in entertainment world, we don't have audiences. It's not like uh, doing a stage play where you instantly know whether you're doing okay or not, especially in comedy. 
but we don't get to we don't get to have the audiences. And when we go to the shows, they um, they they let us know, and, and in such usually glowing terms, how how thankful they are. We actually get this. Uh, thank you for my childhood. You were my childhood, and that's that's, that's the ultimate compliment for all of us. And to, to see how nice the fans are and, and actually have them pay for an autograph of mine. That is something I will never, ever just be ungrateful for. Many, so many actors, you know, no one ever even asks for an autograph, let alone come to a, a, a convention and actually pay for it and stand in line and all that stuff. So there's, there's gratitude and deep gratitude in my heart for all, for my, from not my fans, our fans. Absolutely. And um, so I'm, I look forward to meeting every single one of them. That is so awesome. Of course, you're going to be at SpaCon in Hot Springs, September 22nd through the 24th. You can get the tickets at spa-con.org. Go and meet uh, Roger there. And of course, some other celebrities I think will be there along with you. Before we take a commercial break, you have a connection, I think, to one of the greatest films of all time, Jaws. You were almost in, in the third one, right? Yes, yes. Uh, I uh, I lucked out uh, getting with the National Lampoon in 77, right before Animal House was supposed to come out. And uh, we toured the whole country promoting the brand. And I was lucky enough to get a lot of good reviews and stuff. So the, the head of the Lampoon wanted to kind of make me the next, his next breakout star. And Universal said, well, you Animal House did really, really good. So let's do another film. And it was just about the right time to do the third Jaws film. Enough time had passed by. <laughs> And so, but they were going to do a, um, a, a comedy version of it called Jaws Three People Zero, <laughs> and and I was I was the I was the kind of the young male lead, comedic lead in it, and there was a whole big cast, including Bo Derek, who was really hot back then. She had just done Ten, and oh, she was yeah. like the hottest thing. And uh, she was she had signed on, I, I'm told, to do it, the film. And according to the script, I had a, a comedic love scene with Bo Derek. And then, unfortunately, we were going to show how Bruce worked, you know, for comedic purposes. And Mr. Spielberg stepped in and said, nah, it's going to ruin the, the fantasy of my film. You guys better cancel this film or I'm going to walk. So what do you think Universal did? Oh, they yeah. did. That was over. And so my, my, yeah, that, that was over. That's my Hollywood tragic story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Roger Bumpus, he's an American actor, a comedian from Jonesboro, right here in Arkansas. You know him as Squidward on the, the SpongeBob SquarePants show. I've got to ask you about this, Hill. I am a huge fan of all of the 80s action movies, and you're in The Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Tell us about that. Yes, if you watch the movie, there, there's, there's there's this game show called The Running Man, and there's an, an off-screen announcer named Phil Hilton, Yep. and I was that person. And supposedly, because I was using my, my, my stentorian announcer kind of things to sound, they cut to a shot of a guy who was supposed to be me, but looks absolutely nothing like you would expect that sound to be connected with. And, so it's, and it's not me. And so we, we did a lot of these uh, uh, commercials for various products of that time, really, really cynical kind of uh, science fiction dystopian commercials like the oh. pa Patriot Pistols. Oh, and if you, if, you have the, if you have the patience and you own this movie, uh, watch the end credits. Now, man, man, the credits just go on forever in these sort of things. 
and uh, they're playing music and then the music just finishes and they still got more credits so they started plugging in all the commercials that we recorded that we didn't use so after a while in the end credits it's just me running my mouth and all these comedic commercials there so so have some patience and 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 stay stay the course and watch the entire credits so if it's not you on the set you never really interacted with richard dawson and arnold and these characters I did meet Richard at one of the sessions, one of the record sessions, but not on set. No, no we were, I was doing all uh, just ADR stuff, looping. What was he like? He was a very, very nice guy. He, he sat in the, the control room watching me do some of my announced stuff. And we passed in the hallway uh, when it was his turn. And he, he was very complimentary. So as, as far as that goes, I, I have nothing but good memory about him. He didn't come in and kiss your wife. I mean, you know, that was kind of... <laughs> No, he did not do that. Uh, I I was wondering whether he was going to kiss me, but he yeah, didn't. It so. could have happened. You never know. Yeah, you know, ships passing in the hallway. Yeah. Hey, I remember it was a big Howard Stern thing back in the day where he played Fart Man. I understand that really was your creation. It wasn't my creation, but I did do it before he did it. Uh, I, I worked on several uh, albums for the uh, National Lampoon comedy albums, and one of our characters was Bartman. And so, uh, but, but, but sometime after that, he came on with the actual on-camera version of Fartman. So I don't know whether there was a connection, whether he just stole the idea. I don't know, but we're both Fartman. Well, of course, you know. And I, I also have a connection with Howard because one of my one of my best uh, uh, acting roles was on a show called Silk Stalkings. Yes. Uh, in the early early nineties, and I played a homicidal uh, disc jockey. And uh, back then, I had a ponytail and a beard and everything, and it was modeled after uh, Howard Stern. So it was in <sighs> was it called Trash Jockey or whatever it was. I, I, the name of the episode it was it was a slang for you know the kind of thing that that howard uh, normally does and uh so i have that small connection with him and both in fart man and my uh, my silk stockings episode it's a small world because one of my best friends directed a lot of episodes of silk stockings at vip apparently i guess they were in the production at the same time or the same place i don't uh -huh. know you know something like mm -hmm. that what was it like going to do this audition for spongebob you know, I, I wish I could say it was it was really, really spectacular. But frankly, uh, you, you know, back then you go to your agent's office and they give you some copy. You go into their little record booth and you record the auditions and then you go away and forget about it. And that's what this was. It was just another cartoon animation. I had done lots of cartoons before then and after that. But we no one, of course, had any inkling that it would actually become the iconic thing that it, it that it did so i just you know i, I recorded the audition I, I i heard that i got the part i went and did the pilot i got a copy of the pilot i took it home showed it to my family and they all fell asleep <laughs> and 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 it was, it was only a couple of years later that i was just talking to somebody on the street and i casually mentioned that i work on this particular show and their eyes got big as saucers and their jaws dropped and they said oh my god you guys are so hip and i didn't even know these people of that generation still use that word but uh it i was i i knew that we were kind of on to something then and uh that's when i started collecting all the merchandise which i have the world's biggest collection of do you really so it was, it, I do. I'm going to submit it to uh, Guinness uh, when I get the, the paperwork and the, the official count done, because I, I firmly believe I have the world's largest. So this guy and on the street is really where you realize this is a big deal. 
uh, yeah, it, it was said, hmm, there's something, uh, something happening here. And that's when, like I say, merchandise, that's when I saw the explosion of merchandise in, in not just the toy department, but every department of, of every store, it seemed. You know, the automobile, the, the bathtub, the, the, uh, the, the kitchen, the, everything had a SpongeBob-related merchandise. That's why I said, hmm, that's a nice little collection to start. So I, mm -hmm. so I did. But, but yeah, it, was, it surprised everybody. I've got a note here that SpongeBob has generated over $13 billion in merchandising revenue alone. That's mind-blowing. And all of that came from me. Yeah, that was all you. <laughs> That's all me. So, I could have a lot more in my bank account if I didn't buy all these little toys. Yeah, yeah. So is it your voice on the toys when you push the buttons? Because I know in Star Wars, it's like not James Earl Jones if you push Darth Vader's chest or whatever. Right. The ones that are talking are our voices. Yeah, I don't... Uh, we don't use uh, substitutes or stunt stunt voices for our stuff, but there's not a whole lot of things that have the voices on them. Ah. And, and the, the first one that I ever, I ever did was a, a talking action figure, which it was such a thrill for me. I'd never, never had a toy with my voice on it before. That was just, just uh, <laughs> over the moon on that one. And it was so early in, in the, the run that I had not established Squidward's signature laugh. And so they, I, there was a laugh that I did in an early episode that they used that's not anywhere near what Squidward normally is known for. So really? I just, I wish I could go, I wish I could go back and redo it because everybody, everybody wants to hear the laugh. And so uh, it was, it, that's another nice little iconic thing. If you find something that's a signature trait of your character and then people ask for it, you know, so it's, it's it worked out quite nice. It's funny how things kind of evolve over time with shows, you know, where you go back and you watch the first thing and the character is not really how you remember it until a couple of seasons later. Yeah, that's very, very true. Uh, of all of our characters uh, had initially one strong uh characteristic crabs was a miser uh, plankton was megalomaniac i was uh kind of monotone and spongebob blah 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 blah, blah. Right. and then as the show goes on and you you're put into different situations and different uh requirements of acting and and emphasis uh, are, are are needed you start doing things that are spreading your wings. And so I became much more fleshed out. And now he's much more expressive. He's far more me than, than he was when, he, when we first started. And they kind of let you roll with that. Yeah, they did. Um, and especially they learned that I can scream. It's, it's one of those things I can do with, with, without uh, uh, you know, blowing my throat out. And we had an episode where uh, uh, SpongeBob finds Mermaid Man's uh, utility belt. And he uh, accidentally uh, pushes a button and it, and it shrinks Squidward down. And then Squidward demands that he push another button and, and bring him back. But every button was a different uh, ray that came out and just did horrible things to Squidward each time. <laughs> And I had to do a scream, and I and I made sure I did a different scream each time, and so from that point on, they learned I could scream, and that it was somewhat entertaining. And now they make me scream every episode. Well, of course, you know. <laughs> was it shocking? every every time? I did I make it... a joke that, that I don't have very many words in shows. It's really efforts and screams and blowing and exploding. You know. What is your favorite episode? Well, I think everyone's favorite episode uh, tends to be Band Geeks. Uh, if you remember that, where they 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 play the bubble bowl, and uh, William uh, is taunting them, and they they play this song at the end, uh, "Sweet Sweet Victory." Yeah. 
and uh, the uh, the the writers stumbled upon that song, which is kind of a eye of the tiger kind of uh, mm-hmm. rock uh, anthem kind of thing. And they thought it was so stupid that they made the entire episode just to get to that song. <laughs> and it's, and it's and it's got some of the more iconic lines, and it is mayonnaise an instrument sure. kind of thing. But I, people are asking me that all the time. It's not even my line, you know. I have to, so I have to, you know, do the do the reply to it. But that's that's okay. That's all right. But it's 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 a very satisfying episode in that it's one of the few times that Squidward ever gets to uh, come out ahead. I always love the plane on the hooks. <laughs> plane on the hooks. Oh, riding the hooks. Yeah, riding yeah. the hooks. Yeah, yeah, it's a great. I one. sense no danger here. <laughs> Exactly. Does this look dangerous to you? <laughs> hey, SpongeBob. When you're recording those shows, is everybody in the studio or are you alone? Well, it's there's a there's a kind of a difference that's happened because of COVID and all that. And we like to bring everybody. We're just starting to get back to the studios. Uh, during COVID, they gave us some equipment and we all were recording from home. And a lot of a lot of them still do record from home. But I like to go back, you know, just to, to see my friends again. We try to put as many people as we can at one time for that ensemble quality. And if you only have a couple of lines, they'll they'll bring you in and just uh, knock you out and then send you on your way. But uh, there there is an, an acting dynamic that we like to to put in play, and that's uh, interacting with each other. So we do record together as much as we can. Hey Roger, did the process change at all when when they announced the big movie? Which movies typically have a bigger budget? I mean, are you still record all in the same place? Was everything the same? Well, during movies, now movies are by necessity bigger. Uh, they're they're more important. Every scene, every line is is more important than than doing a, the, the the TV version. Uh, we skate through the TV version because we all know the characters and everything. And then we pay a lot more of attention at the, 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 the recording of the movies. And we do record those usually at, say, Paramount or a, a, a studio that's not Nickelodeon. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's a reason why we do that. But we, we usually uh, record in, in larger uh, um, recording facilities for, for features as opposed to just TV. You so uh, yeah, there 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 is a difference in that, and and we've done three movies now. So uh, and we and we we can't really do the TV show while we're doing the movies because we only have a certain number of writers. So uh, even uh, though we've been on the air for twenty four years, we don't have twenty four years worth of shows. So it's kind of an odd. People ask me how many shows have you done? Well, I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, so, who knows? Uh, I have to go back and count them. You had to have met Hasselhoff, right? Oh yeah, I sat behind him at the premiere in two thousand four of our first movie. Um, I didn't really meet him, but he was, he was there. I could have spoken to him if I wanted to, but I, but I didn't, I, I, I give uh, a listers, you know, and then others, their, their space at comic cons. I never talked to William Shatner, never want to bug him uh, or other, other uh, big name folks. So, you know, there's a, there's a protocol. There's an etiquette that I try to try to uh, cling to. Hey, there's this genius video short on YouTube uh, about SpongeBob's birthday where you guys are live action play in your characters and it is just phenomenal how did how did that come apart how much how fun was that i think that we should have our own spin-off a live yep. action version of it because that was so much fun and and very surreal because you know we we, we were for 20 years or so we're used to being in the studio and i'm used to hearing uh bill doing patrick behind me and clancy doing uh uh crabs behind me and everything but then all of a sudden you're in costume 
on a set that looks precisely like the Krusty Krab. And Patrick, I'm, I'm behind the cash register, and Patrick is standing in front of me looking up at the, uh, the menu board going, uh, and, and, and I'm hearing the Twilight song. It, it was absolutely surreal to to be in that moment, and we all we all just loved it. We I wish I could do it, and I was working really hard to look like Squidward too. Yes, and <laughs> it always it always uh, gripes me that that people every so often will say, you know, you you got you got kind of a big nose like Squidward. I said, no, I don't. Stop that. It should be a show. It, there should be a live action <laughs> version because it's real. It's only got a billion views. Mm -hmm. But it's really, really yeah. well done. Yeah, every so often we'll get to do little actual on-camera things, uh, little one-scene things. I just did one recently where I was uh, an Italian pizza chef, and I, and I got to just go over the top with this uh, uh, stereotypical uh, Italian uh, guy kind of guy. It was it was very much fun. And one, I actually finagled my way into we had one episode called goons on the moon where sandy's rocket takes uh, some some folks up to the moon and and squidward accidentally uh, uh uh is a stowaway and he gets out of the the uh the, the ship and finds his way down into this cavern the systems of caverns and he keeps trying to get out and he pokes his head in one uh, one hole to see if uh you know that that's the way out and it's a live action version of say him inside a, a western guitar whatever just weird weird stuff and then the last one he sticks his head out and it's at the animation uh, screen of a Nickelodeon animator, and and of course, uh, does, and, and and I talked them into letting me be the animator, so that when Squidward's head pops out of my computer, he sees the world and screams. I see a cartoon character come out of the the, the computer, and I scream, and it's exactly the same scream. Oh, that's so, so that, good. That, it's our little Easter egg joke, you know, so I was just, I was happy that they, they went for it. Yeah. That's, that's just genius. We're talking with Roger Bumpus. He of course plays Squidward on SpongeBob. You can meet him in person in hot Springs at SpaCon September 22nd through the 24th of this year. You know, Roger, it must be like really satisfying one. You're super famous on this show that the entire world knows, but you could go to Walmart and not be harassed to death. That's kind of the, well, the unique thing about it, right? Yeah, you know, people mention that to me quite often. And, and you know, as, as an actor, you like to be recognized, you know, and we've done enough uh, on-camera stuff that people actually do recognize Oh, us. yeah, I can but see the that. Level, the level that we are at is nowhere near, say, a Tom Cruise or, or a Jack Nicholson. With, they, they couldn't go to the grocery store, you know. Um, and, and in fact, uh, I just saw that Michael Jackson uh, uh, once uh, uh, rented an entire grocery store and closed it down just so he could go shopping without being harassed. But that's <laughs> that's a totally, totally different level than where we're at. As I said, as far as autograph goes, I I am still grateful and I and I will never refuse anybody. And if someone recognizes me on the street and a small group gathers for you know little selfies and stuff, which happens frequently, that is still enjoyable to me. So, um, I, I, like I say, an actor likes to be recognized, you know, that that's the gratification part. So you know, I'm, we're just in a good spot. I, I am, you know, and, and of course, Tom Kenny, once he's like William Shatner, once, once it's known that he's who he is, uh, there's, you know, 50 people there and he really can't go to the grocery store. So he, he, he benefits from what you're talking about. How often do you guys get together? Uh, socially or recording wise? Both, both. I kind of wonder. 
Well, we, we live in such different uh, areas of Los Angeles that we don't really normally get together unless it's a SpongeBob event. And then, of course, we, we do. And, and we, we record usually once or twice a week. And, of course, we have uh, the other spinoff now, which is the Patrick Star Show. And uh, we're finishing up the other spinoff, which is Camp Coral. And so we, we get together uh, in that respect quite often, even though there's several people are on Zoom and several people are in studio. So there's kind of a, a hybrid uh, gatherings these days for recording purposes. So this show is like, I believe it's the fifth longest running American animated series I mean, it's almost taken on, it's like a Simpsons kind of thing where it can just go forever and ever and ever. Do you think it will? I, I want it to go, uh, I want the length of our show to be just a little bit longer than the existence of the pyramids. Just a hair longer. Yeah, just a bit longer. I'd be, I'd be satisfied. But it's I'm kinda, satisfied now. It's cool <laughs> because it's like Kiss. You know, when they did the makeup, then age didn't really affect the act. And when you're a cartoon, you never age. No, we don't age. The, the, the only difference can possibly be if it goes on long enough and you get to be quite the senior citizen, the strength of your voice may weaken a little bit. But I don't think anybody's voice, and I, I think I'm the oldest one on the cast, actually, and I don't think any of our voices have uh, have shown uh, any um, frailty or, or or signs of age, we we look a lot different than we did in 1999. <laughs> but then everybody else does too. Roger, is that voice based on someone you know, or was it just something you've always joked around doing? No, I, it actually came out of nowhere. Um, I, a lot of my stuff uh, is is fairly close to my natural voice, which, as you can tell, it's got a little bit of nasality to it. It's fine. But there was a character that I did uh, on, on at the time, the longest cartoon uh, that I'd ever been a part of, Where on Earth is Carmen Sandiego? Yep. And there was an electronic character called The Chief that I did. He was very fast talking. He was like Squidward uh, after about eight cans of Red Bull. And uh, so he was very fast, but but he had the same nasalities uh, without without the sarcasm. So I, I if, if there is a derivative of of Squidward from something else, that's that's the character that I did. But uh, no, it was just again we talked about the the audition uh, process, and when you go to an audition for an uh, animation, they give you a picture and a breakdown verbally of what this person is. He's fussy. He's artistic. He's uh, frustrated. Uh, and he has this big honking nose. So that's how you get the idea of how to construct him. Fortunately, it was what uh, Steven Hillenburg uh, foresaw as the as the as the person, and uh, he uh, he said, "Well, let's let's use uh, let's use Roger." And so I I, I saw he had this big uh, nose, like I said. So I put him kind of nasal and very sarcastic. <laughs> oh please! And then then Steve came to me and said, "Well, we're gonna we need to establish this laugh." And we're going to do this this uh, this antic they call it in animation, where when he laughs, his big nose accordions a little bit, goes back and yeah. forth in these little wrinkles, and so there it has to be kind of a, a rhythmic quality to it. And so I went ha 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 and always ended off key. And yeah. he Steve just said, "All right, that's it. Let's go." And he turned around and walked away, and that, that's how the the little laugh came to be. At these conventions, people must come up and do their impression of Squidward. Are they good, bad, everywhere in between? Yes. <laughs> everybody. Everybody. You get, you get some people that just want to audition every single voice that they have. 
and you do, and you sit there, and you you as complimentary as you can be, you know. Well, sure. <laughs> What, what, what I'm uh, really impressed with is a, a lot of people um, uh, uh, that are artistic do paintings and yeah. give them to me, which which is in my collection I mentioned earlier. Oh, that's uh, and, and my fan, fan art is, is just these people are really, really good. They, they have a future ahead of them. And some of them can do the voices. Yeah, but uh, it's. It's it's yeah it's amateur hour but it's it's endearing at the same time. Oh, that's so great. Let me ask you about this. All the talk about Hollywood right now is that strike. Has it affected animation? Strangely enough, in our particular situation, it it hasn't affected our ability to do the TV show. We are under a different contract, um, a daytime cable animation contract, which is not one of the ones that's uh, uh, on strike at the moment. Mm. If if we wanted to do another feature, we could not do it right now because that's that's definitely under SAG's uh, um, control, and so we would have to wait on uh, uh, on the feature part. But the TV show, we just we we did one yesterday, and we we, we uh, will do one tomorrow actually also. So uh, yeah, fortunately we are able to continue, and and the residuals continue too. So that's that's, that's nice that's to pay the bills. That's a great thing. Yeah. Hey, have, have you given much thought to this AI? Because now you can plug in a script and the darn thing will read in a thousand voices, you know. That's scary, isn't it? It is very, very scary. Uh, not just in, in our particular situation, but for the world in general. Uh, you could, I can, I can go on like this for days on on the on the, this danger of AI. I've been cloned several times now, and I'm telling you, it is the the audio version of of, of photorealism. You cannot tell the difference. I cannot tell the difference, mm. even the except for the fact that I know I didn't do it. And unbelievable. Uh, I'm I, everybody's afraid that the, the studios are just going to say, well, we can do this and there's no regulations about it yet. So, you know, let's just uh, let's just start doing it that way. It's much cheaper, much faster. And so it's 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 a dangerous, sad moment for a lot of industries because everybody's going to have to use A.I. You remember the old um, uh, days of the, the 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 steroid scandal in professional sports? Oh, yeah. Well, if you well if you were a, a, a an athlete with integrity and you didn't want to do that, you were all of a sudden at uh, a competitive disadvantage because everybody else around you was juiced up. Well, AI is going to be just like that. If you're a business, you're going to have to employ AI, otherwise you will become you know irrelevant. Other other businesses will just you know surpass you. So it's 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 a very dangerous situation. It's a it's a Pandora's box and it's open. Yeah, I t I agree a hundred percent. Let me ask you about this because sadly we lost Stephen Hillenberg, who created SpongeBob. Uh, I think he passed away in twenty eighteen of Lou Gehrig's disease. Were, were you around him very much, and what was he like? Yes, he was. It was very hands on when we first started. He would uh, he was of course write and direct the shows. And um, and only after I mean maybe the first or second year he was still the director of our shows, and then uh, his wife got a little ill, uh, and so he had to cancel the show. He actually canceled the show in order to 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 take care of his wife, and then uh, she got she got better, and and so uh, Paramount wanted to do the the feature, so he came back and we restarted the show, and it's and it was going on uh, er ever since. But yes, uh, he is everyone's favorite and greatly missed talent and human mm. being. He was such a gentle person and just unassuming. You would never think that he had this tremendous creative thing going on in his head 
just by looking and talking uh, with him. Uh, he, he was just very, very unassuming. He just he wasn't one of those crazy people uh, that 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 is just so creative because they're just nuts. Uh, but he was absolutely the most wonderful and and very very missed personage. You know, I've, and we also yeah. lost uh, uh, Ernest Borgnine and Tim Conway, also Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. Yeah, and I also want to ask you, and you can kind of see the influence in SpongeBob. Steven has even I've read it before that Pee Wee Herman plays somewhat into the character and the world of SpongeBob. Any thoughts on remembering Paul Rubens, who we just lost? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I never did meet uh, Paul, but I can see there's a SpongeBob parallel, the uh, the innocence and the the, and the playfulness. Uh, that I've never really thought about that. It's a very good point. Um, but yeah, yeah, there, there, there definitely is a, a parallel between those two characters. Because the the first thing that that uh, Stephen told us on the first day of recording was the main idea of SpongeBob was innocence, and yes. that's what SpongeBob in, in, embodied. And then everything else kind of was something to react against innocence and and insanity. I've heard they wanted so, SpongeBob to be a boy in school, and he insisted it was he was an adult. Yeah, that's that's been kind of nebulous all this all this time. Every so often, if, if he stays uh, up all night or something, he'll he'll have a little uh, uh, scruffy growth to show that he's been up all night or whatever. <laughs> uh, so there, it, it's 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 like the the logic of Bikini Bottom. You can't delve too much into it because you know we have campfires and beaches and thunderstorms and buses and uh, and fast food places and we're underwater. And so the, you you got to keep that L word at bay, you know, and, 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 and what his actual age is. Although, every so often you'll see his, uh, his uh, a driver's license. Now, he keeps trying to get his driver's license. And sometimes he actually gets it issued and then it's uh, instantly taken away for some reason. And there'll be a close up of that license. And if you do a freeze frame, you can get an idea of how old, how old he might be in, in cartoon years. Maybe. Maybe. I've always thought that one of the funniest things about SpongeBob is, you know, Clancy Brown playing Mr. Krabs is like one of the most terrifying people in the world in Highlander. And then oh, yeah. it's so different. You know, what is he? He's the Kurgan. He's the huge bad guy in that movie, which I love that film. But he's Mr. Yeah. Krabs, you know? Yeah, and 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 when when we first did the, the I remember that first recording day and and first time I ever met Clancy and I I was well uh, familiar with his roles and his oh, the bad guy just scary yeah. scary bad guy scary and we were, we were we were all kind of intimidated by him but once he started speaking you can see see he was just this wonderful lovable teddy bear uh, he's one of the <laughs> nicest people you'd ever want to meet. And and really really fun. Now my my favorite thing to do with him though is uh, of course he was uh, the main guard in Shawshank Redemption, That's one right. of my favorite films. Yes. And he, he always sat behind me, and just like SpongeBob, every so often he's required to go on some kind of crying jag or something that's extended uh, for for comedic purposes. And he'll be doing this thing for like two minutes behind me, ridiculous gibberish. <laughs> and then I'll. And then we'll, we'll, we'll end that take. And I always turn around and say, I'm going to remember this moment next time I watch Shawshank. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, that's so good. Yeah. It's, 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 it's so funny. And, and of course, Bill, uh, Patrick has been, has been doing stupid for about a century. He says, you know, cause he was in the, he was in coach and he was oh, yeah. kind of a dumb, dumb jock there. So he's been doing that, uh, for the longest time, and I always say I I've been doing animation since just after the Civil War. 
Right. Steamboat Willie. So, about the time you started, you know. <laughs> Steamboat Roger, that was original. That's title. what it was. Yeah. Oddly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, man, thank you so much for talking with me. Uh, you're going to be at SpaCon in Hot Springs, September 22nd through the 24th. Spa-con.org is where you can get the tickets. I'm going to come down there and meet you in person. So please come down, everybody. Come to my table. Say hi. And as Kraft would say, give me your money. <laughs> thank you so much, Roger. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week on Guatney Unplugged. <laughs>